Hello, Savers, and welcome back to the podcast. I have repeat guest with me, Geneva Davidson, publicist and PR coach. She's my publicist. She's gotten me in so many things. Love Geneva. Geneva has been on the podcast to talk about her experience in Six Figure Saver. Today, we're going to be talking about her experience in Seven Figure Wealth, my six-month mastermind, and we have a lot to talk about, so I'm not going to chat anymore. Geneva, introduce yourself. Tell everybody who maybe doesn't know of your work, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, I'm Geneva Davidson. I'm the owner of Geneva Bliss Media, where I help to pitch business owners to podcast, press, and masterminds to get them in front of a larger audience and tell the world about all the good things you're doing. Amazing. Amazing. Geneva is the best. So just like saying, if you need a publicist, <laughs> but like, I'm like, maybe I should gatekeep you. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, let's chat her out. She does amazing, amazing work. Um, okay, Geneva, let's just dive right in. So you were in Six Figure Saver. You still are in Six Figure Saver. You joined last February and have saved over $35,000 in that program, which is just incredible. Um, my like The first thing I want to know is what prompted you to join Seven Figure Wealth? Like, What about that program? What about that mastermind felt like it was going to be a good fit for you? Yeah. So it was in one of your emails talking about your daughter and setting her up for her future. And when I just thought about like the money world that I grew up in and advice from my parents, my family, and just that I could stop that generation transfer and like it stops here and here is her future. And to know how to do that and the way you made it just sounds so simple. It was like, yes, let's make a change. Let's set her up for something different. That's you know, you're like the second person to talk about that on the on the podcast so far, this idea of like that email specifically, <laughs> which is so interesting. I think that parents, especially like breadwinner parents, really latch onto that idea because the reality is, and if listeners don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about setting up your kids with um, custodial investment accounts. Your kid could retire a multimillionaire and it would cost you like five figures or less. And you could set your kid up to be a multimillionaire by you putting in, let's say 10, 15, even $5,000. And the power of compound interest just grows that amount of money. I have an entire podcast about that if you guys want to go look back. But um, yeah, it's like, I'm curious what, how do I say this? Did you believe me? <laughs> Because a lot of people like will read that email and they'll be like, okay, but like, that sounds super scammy. I'm curious what your reaction was to that. My reaction was like, I want to know how, but do I like make enough extra money to be able to put that aside for her? Like, is that even possible to live? And then there's extra. And then I remember you mentioned like working it in a calculator and I Googled real fast, like whatever, some calculator. And it was like, if I put 5K in now, she's two. If she retired at 65, she'd have almost $3 million. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And so no, it was like, when like I say it's super <laughs> cheap, I mean, it's cheap. Like it doesn't cost you a lot to make your kid a multimillionaire. It's, but it kind of like breaks your brain. Yeah, because 5,000 feels like I can have not an extra 5,000, but I can make sure to put aside 5,000 for her. But I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to need to put aside 100K or like 
I need all this extra money. There's no way this is unattainable. That's a different tax bracket than me, you know? Mm. And so to just know that like, no, this is a, this is tangible to me to where I am today. Okay. This is a bit of a tangent, but let's go down this road anyways. That's a different tax bracket than me. And this (laughs) idea that like, if I want to have these big wealthy people things, I need to have an extra hundred K laying around. Where do you think that idea came from? Like who gave you that idea in your mind? I think, I think there's a lot of mindset from different money decisions. I saw my parents make and growing up, you know, that way and seeing it and just that these things were unattainable. Like I remember going to restaurants, maybe only for birthdays. And it was like, you could not get a Sprite or a fun root beer float. That was unattainable. That's as a little kid, not a different tax bracket, but that's for those people, you know? And I feel like I just continued to see the world that way. I went to a private Christian college. Everyone was really wealthy. I kind of snuck my way in there by finagling the system and finding money. So I feel like I always just had this like, I'm faking it. I don't belong here. That's unattainable. Mm, That is so powerful. That even that like story of like the can't have the root beer float. That's for other people. I'm curious how that, um, do you find that that mindset, do you still have that with you in some way, shape or form? I think so. I think I live in San Diego. That's like home base. And I think I even look around and I'm like, I will never be, and that that is changing being in this program, seeing the mindset, seeing the attainability of it. Um, I'll never be able to own a house there. Like those kinds of ideas are those feelings. And so I think sometimes that does show up even in business of like, there's no way I'm going to ever be able to have a multiple six figure business or like, there's no way I'll ever be able to hire a team member. That's for them. And I think to see these ways that wealth is within my reach via education, it's like, oh, okay, maybe there are more things that I actually can touch. Yeah. It's interesting. I want to circle back to this idea of like the multiple six-figure year or the hiring help. And so pause that for a moment in your mind. Let's talk about what you have been able to create inside of seven-figure wealth in just like three months. So we talked in the green room before this conversation, and you told me that you have so far paid off $18,000 of credit card debt Yeah, <laughs> in less than three months. <laughs> yeah. You have consolidated your old teacher pension, like all the other government programs that you were part of when you were a teacher. And we've created a retirement plan that is scaling to $1.8 million, even if you don't contribute anything else. But if you do contribute more, which we have like worked out a plan to do, you'll be on track for 5.3 million at 65. So crazy. <laughs> like even just those two things. <laughs> so <laughs> even if you did nothing else, you're on track for seven figures in retirement and you've been able to pay off nearly 20 grand of credit card debt. So coming back to this, like that, that unattainability, that six figure, multiple six figure businesses. And for me having a, you know, like a, team member isn't for me. It's interesting. Like, how do you hold those two truths? The things that you've been able to create in such a short amount of time and those like limiting beliefs that are still present, right? Cause those things take a while to work through. Yeah. I think that 
I think when I come and I get those emails each month that are like, report what you've done, it's like, okay, I am doing things and I am doing this. And what else can I do? What else is next? Um, Even to see that I'm 15K away from having the 100K investment, which is kind of one of our seven-figure wealth goals. I was like, how is that? I never thought that was even possible. And even just um, the when I ran my teacher teacher retirement, I was going to pull eight hundred dollars a month, eight hundred dollars a month. And like even the way that that has changed the future of my life into millions of dollars to know like what the options are. Yeah, I, I guess the more I look at the numbers and the data, the more it becomes like you can do all these other things if you're looking at the numbers and the data and the facts versus sitting around in the fear and the I can't and the story maybe that's been told or you've told yourself. I think it's such a great example of like, okay, you've, you were modeled this behavior as a kid that maybe there wasn't an abundance of money. Maybe there was enough, but not like root beer float money, <laughs> right? We'll, we'll keep with that analogy. And you stick with that. And, and we build so many of our money beliefs from our childhood experiences And it sounds like that's been a belief that's stuck with you. And even if there's still versions of it, like what if the, what if it wasn't about getting healed or like fixing your brain? What if it was just like chipping away at one next thing, right? And look at how much you've already chipped away at. I mean, even just the credit card stuff alone, I was like, how am I ever going to make an additional 26K? But then to like see that that has been attainable, it just has, it just has completely changed my money mindset, I guess, of, you know, six figure savior. I learned a lot about like cash management, but this is more or cash flow, I should say. This I feel like is big picture. Wealth is attainable. I can be a quote wealthy person. I can have those visualizations of what my 30s, 40s, 50s look like, what eras they are, right? Like we've talked about. And that's okay for me to dream about. That's not something that's out of there. And it's been really cool to even feel like I can dream in that way. Like how well, right. How... And it's not even like a like sometimes we make big dreams and we're like a little bit self-gaslighting ourselves. We're yeah. like, maybe one day, but like we don't really believe it. Versus when you are making big dreams and you're like, but actually, like I kind of think that might be possible. There's something that like something tingles. I don't know. I feel that way of like, oh my God, something that I thought was completely unattainable five years ago. Now I'm realizing is maybe possible. That's insane. <laughs> it's, so it's so fun. Yeah, it is really fun. And even to see that like my three big goals going into it, I'm I'm close to like they're within a reach. Like we, I could like jump forward and touch them all. You know, that's really powerful. <laughs> What were your goals coming into this experience? Yeah, it was to clean up my retirement stuff to figure out what are my options because I was just afraid to close out the like good state retirement you always heard about. So figure that out. Check. (laughs) Um, To pay off the expensive debt. Um, I'll have one other thing, but it's more of like a housing situation, like a house and I'm close to that, like down to four figures now that feels like one contract away. And then um, 
you know, the the email that convinced me to set up something for my daughter, which I'm finalizing and been getting some coaching on to get that set up for her. And it's so easy, actually. The um, I'm trying to think if I have an entire video about it in the in the videos, but it shouldn't take you more than like 30 minutes. Isn't that crazy? Like giving your daughter $2.3 million at 65 shouldn't take you more than 30 minutes. That's 30 minutes nuts. and 5k. <laughs> no, like literally 30 minutes and 5k. And to be fair, it's because your daughter's so young, right? It would be different if your daughter were like 18 or 20, because the more time in the market that the money has to grow, the the more the compounding effects have the really big, powerful compounding effects. But even still, that's one little rich baby. And there's something, this might sound a little weird, but there's something prideful about being the breadwinner being the woman which is kind of like countercultural. and so I know we're married but like kind of being the one that gave this to her and it feels like this whole business is really worth it and like that'll I don't know if that makes sense but no it does you're (laughs) taking ownership over the results that you've created for yourself and your family you're allowed to be so proud of that like so ridiculously proud. That little baby girl, like here's what I like to think about, especially with like little kids. I'm like, oh my God, they won't know. They Their reality is going to be, her reality is going to be completely different than yours. She's going oh, yeah. to grow up never ever like conceiving of not having money. That's nuts. <laughs> I think even not even having to make decisions based upon money, like what freedom in that it's called your freedom calculator. And I'm like, that's so it. Like there's so much freedom in just being like, she doesn't need to make decisions on her job and think, well, I mean, she will like for living expenses, but for her future retirement decisions aren't made off of that. She gets that freedom from that. What's coming up for you right now? Oh, goodness. I, uh, this is so weird. I feel I shouldn't say this on here, but I feel like slightly emotional talking about it. I'm like, you know, to know that like her next generation, if she decides to have kids, like this could pass on. It's like an end and then a pass on, you know, we like go to therapy to fix maybe like emotional stuff, but you never really grow up thinking about fixing money behaviors, but mindsets and access, I guess. Yeah. It really is like, it's a gift much bigger than the money. Mm -hmm. It's a gift of like, (laughs) maybe a a funny way to say it, or like a funny, tangible way to say it is like, she'll never have to talk to her therapist about money (laughs) (laughs) or like have to like fix her brain about it. Ideally, right? Like who knows what's going to happen, but that's (laughs) the kind of funny way to say it. It's like, yeah, she'll never have to, what if she'll never have to pay a money coach? She'll just have to like keep going on in her life. That's a little great. rich baby. <laughs> and I think even one other thing that just came up was coming into seven-figure wealth, there was a lot of shame around the debt. The release of the shame that was like, debt is morally neutral. I feel like I'm like quoting your videos. Debt is morally neutral. I am not a bad person because of the debt. There's just a cost to the debt and we want less expensive or more expensive or a return on the cost of it. Yeah. That really is like 
a weight off the shoulders of like, I am not a bad person due to that. I was doing the best I could at the moment with what I had. Yeah. Debt is literally just a tool that you can use or not. And so if sometimes we're backed into a corner and we have to use debt and that doesn't feel great because it feels like it's our only option, but even still like debt is still just a tool that you can use or not. And there is a price for using that tool called interest, but we pay for things all the time. I pay for ClickUp because they told me that I put too many files in ClickUp and I ran out of space. So I ran out of my free trial on ClickUp. So then I had to pay them. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to pay for a service for my business and use the service. The same is for debt. You're paying for access to capital for your business or your personal life. And that's it. There's no like, you're bad. (laughs) (laughs) Morally neutral. (laughs) Morally neutral. And so many of us feel we make our debt mean so much about us as people. Yeah. Which ironically slows us down from paying it off because we're oftentimes we go into like avoidance of it. A hundred percent. And that is what I was doing. And then to get, I think the vulnerability of the, I think it's called the debt strategy, the channel that we have inside the program, the vulnerability of like, this will be posted live and everyone will know exactly how much bad stuff I have done to just like submit that and walk like wash my hands of it and then be like this is the plan we're going to execute the plan and I can throw lump sums and it's going to happen and now it's happening versus before it was like avoidant I know I should just make the minimum she kind of says that but the yeah just the ability to have that plan was great yeah and now 18k is gone 18k paid off (laughs) (laughs) Did you ask me, I feel like I've gotten a couple questions on this. Should I liquidate my, um, somebody asked me, should I liquidate part of my investment account to pay off my debt? Had you yeah. asked that? So as I was going through for our VIP day and auditing my retirement channels, I found this like extra one I didn't know about. And so it was exactly the amount of the credit card debt. And I was like, oh my gosh, I should totally liquidate this, pay it off, done. And you were like, well, let's look at the cost of it. And not knowing the difference, I was like, what do you mean the cost? Like right now I'm paying this much in interest per month. And right now this would give me this. And then seeing the big picture of the investment of it was key. And then I was able actually in that same month, I asked you that to pay off a huge chunk of it. I want to pull up the freedom calculator really quick to demonstrate what Geneva is talking about. So what was it like 20? Let's just call it 20,000. Yeah. Okay. And then let's say we're 30. Okay. Call it 20,000. So Geneva could have taken the 20,000, let's say from that investment account that she forgot about. And she could have paid off her debt and her debt may have been costing her like $500 a month in interest, let's say. So Geneva's wanting to stop paying 500 a month. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause we are, as humans, we're wired for loss prevention, right? We want to prevent loss instead of seek gain. So you wanted to liquidate that account and pay off the 20,000 to stop paying $500 a month. And I did the math and I was like, okay, but if you left that 20,000 in the stock market and let it grow for the next 35 years, I just did the math right now. Then that $20,000 would turn into 682,000 
$901.75. And so I told her, is it worth it to pay the $20,000 and lose out on over 600 grand? Is it worth it? No. How many $500 a month interest payments do you have to make to like make the 600 grand back that you lost by taking the money out of the market instead of leaving the money in the market? And that's a lot of how I teach my clients to think. It's like, we need to weigh both options and then we can just decide which one is financially most advantageous. But so often we're emotionally wrapped up in our debt that we'll do anything to stop it, even if it means that we end up losing out on 600 grand later. Which oh, is yeah. like, and I feel, go ahead. What, no, when you, when you read it like that, it, the answer is obvious, but it's not obvious in the moment. Because <laughs> you feel like if I got this and I paid it off, then like the world no longer thinks I'm a bad person, which that's not. Right. And it's, that's why it's like the emotional attachment. And I thought to myself, okay, 26K, how long till I think I can pay that off? Let's say six months. I feel really good about that's about 4K a month towards it. Okay. Six months times the $500. That's $3,000 of a cost versus the 600. And you know, like that's when I was like, this is very simple. I was making this a quick fix. <laughs> right. And and to your point, it's so understandable why your brain was trying to do that because you were making it mean if you had no debt, you would have been a better person. Which is just not true, Geneva. It's not true. <laughs> You're a great person with debt mm-hmm. and without it. Debt is so like, I can't say this enough. Debt is morally neutral. You guys <laughs> need some shirts, some merch, a hat. Maybe I do need a shirt. That is <laughs> Maybe a mug. <laughs> no, for real. And I'm like, y'all, I, I feel like I don't say this enough. Like I have debt and it's, and I'm using it strategically and it's fine. And it means nothing about me. I think you being honest about your debt, as well as like, we rent a house. Renting isn't bad. Things like oh, that. Yeah. In my mind, it's like. I'm 33. I should own a home because that's what I'm supposed to do. And you were like, I rent like great. Why? Like, you know, real estate isn't a financial decision. It doesn't need to be, you know, there are other ways to make more money. That was like, okay, great. I'm not behind. I'm not behind because of the debt. I'm not being, you know, all of the things. Yeah. That's actually an important note. And I can explain a bit more for the audience. I, my perspective is um, in terms of like a primary residence, somewhere that you're going to live, that's not a financial decision. That's a desire led decision. If your only reason for buying real estate is financial gain, let's just invest in the stock market. It's way easier. It requires way less time and it requires no maintenance and no taxes, at least until you sell the investment. Versus real estate, like everyone says renting is throwing money away. And I'm like, yeah, so is paying taxes. So is doing maintenance. So is changing your water heater. So is painting. So is paying for homeowners insurance. Like there's that, that logic makes no sense. (laughs) But if you want to have a house, if you have the desire to have a house, that should lead your decision and we can make it work financially. But I think it's so important to remember, like you can be super, super wealthy and rent. Sometimes it's easier. And sometimes thinking about the dreaming you have us do in some of our exercises on our coaching calls of like, 
what do you want to be? What are, you know, you talked about your different eras kind of thing. Like I'm going to be, I think someone said like a rich mom era, you know, all that. I have this desire, this like thing I always dream about of settling into different cities for like a few months at a time. I picture this like a French city and just like diving into it for a couple months. And I'm like, if I buy a house though, I shut this down, but I'm 33. I should probably own a house. Right. And And that's like letting the finances lead the decision. Exactly. And like renting is okay. And it lets me have those dreams and those visions and you're not throwing away rent money. Yeah. I spend $2,800 a month to rent our house. And, um, and yeah, technically I'm like throwing away, meaning I'll never see it back. But you know what happened last year? Last year, our AC broke and our landlords had to pay 15 grand to fix our AC. So all of that profit that they made off of us was wiped out in one moment. And we were not responsible for changing the AC unit. In fact, I think in Texas, it's like a law that you have to, especially in the summer months, like you can't leave your tenants without AC. I think there's like some, cause it's like a safety thing. Like it's a hundred degrees outside, <laughs> like older people. <laughs> yeah, no, I think like older people could actually die. Um, so yeah, if we had owned this house, then I could put 15 grand in the market and keep growing my wealth portfolio, but no, now I have to fix my AC. Well, that's not my responsibility as a renter. I love that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. And they just, lost, for me. they just lost like seven months of profit in right. a day, you right. know, so it's not a financial move always. Well, and that's another thing I talk about in the, in the real estate module of seven figure wealth, we have a whole module dedicated just to investment property. So if you want to become a real estate investor and the main thing I do, I think I say it in the first video is buying a real estate investment is just you buying a business. It is a business model. You have customers, they pay you every month, you have business expenses, and sometimes your business expenses are more than your income, and so you have negative profit, just like your business. (laughs) So if you want to do that, that's great, but you have to want to be the CEO of a real estate business. And if you don't want to be the CEO of a real estate business, then let's do something else. And it kind of just relieves that pressure of like, I'm not behind. I feel like when we're in our 20s, we're like, I'm not married yet. I'm behind. And the house feels like my 30s version of that. And it was like, nope. Mm, that's that makes real. sense. Yeah. Have a lot of your friends bought houses? Everyone. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That I makes mean, sense. I've bought a boat, which is like an investment, but it feels people are always, I mean, boats don't um, increase in value appreciate is the word I'm looking for. So I feel like it doesn't count. Hmm. But when I think about that, it's like a $150,000 investment. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm fine. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. You also live on the boat part-time. Yes. By the way, for everyone listening, it's very cool. (laughs) So all your boring friends who own houses and have dogs, well, you live on a sailboat. You're way cooler than them. (laughs) I hope your friends are not listening. (laughs) Yeah. Don't listen guys. (laughs) (laughs) amazing okay well tell us a bit about what is next for you what's your next like wealth goal inside of the mastermind um yeah what's coming up yes um it should take me just a couple minutes but I was watching this morning to finalize investing for my daughter getting that account set and just need to click the buttons basically 
And then the next thing is pay off that last 8K. And then I am 15K away from 100K invested. So those are kind of what will be next there. Um, and after that, I'll probably just keep working on different investments. But getting to the 100K feels so powerful because like I a look big at milestone. Yeah, I look at the returns at that point and I'm like, oh, this is the real deal now. This is the ultimate passive income, as you say. And yeah. I'm yeah. So those are kind of my next three things to to be working on. And I think money mindset is in there, too. And we're working on that self-coaching challenge this month. Um, and so that's something that I really want to focus in on for the rest of mastermind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was just looking up the, um, the 2023 stock market returns. I had talked about this in the, um, what, let me see, is it Dow Jones performance? I talked about this in Slack the other day. I was like, if you had a hundred thousand dollars invested at the beginning of 2023, the stock market is up like 20 something percent or seven, some percent. I can't find it right now. You would make, that would mean that you would make five figures of passive income. Doing nothing. Right. Doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) As you say, if the market's changing, do nothing. You know, like you just literally don't have to look at it. You just do nothing. I looked at my, this was maybe about a month ago, so it's maybe different, but I looked at my all my investment portfolio across like the different accounts that I have from 2021 through like June or July, I'm, my accounts grew by $60,000. Wow. That's like $60,000 that I didn't make. (laughs) Yeah. I have this on a small scale. You taught us a little bit about the, um, like different bank accounts and ways to make money off of your savings, interest rates, good banks. And I looked the other day and I had made like $4 and I was like, I got four free dollars. That's $4 I didn't make. (laughs) Anyway, it was pretty funny. Well, you should look at your retirement accounts. Um, I don't think that you've submitted your investor report for the month, but if you look at them, they've probably grown a good amount in the last 30 days as well. Probably I should. I need to pull that out. It's on my, it's in my inbox. (laughs) It's so fun. One of our clients in Slack said, my investments grew by $1,500 in seven days. And she's like, and I know like the stock market's up and down. It won't always be up. But she was like, this just broke something in my brain where like my money's making me money. Yes. Money making money is the goal. (laughs) Such, such a vibe. Amazing. Okay. Um, Let's, let's, let's end out with you're in the mastermind now. We're going to be opening up enrollment in September for our next round that starts in November. And um, whether you're planning on re-signing or not, I'm curious, who do you think, who do you want to call into the seven-figure wealth community? I want to call in those who have never felt like money or the word wealth was in their vocabulary. Money is because we all make money to eat groceries, right? But wealth, that's that's a different level. That's a different word that has a different representation. And so I think those that have thought that that word isn't theirs, just take a risk and see that the word could be yours. I love that answer. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Geneva. This has been fabulous. Where can the people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Geneva Bliss Media. 
or on my website, genevablissmedia.com. Amazing. Y'all, you know, Geneva got me featured in like five things in like 30 days. <laughs> and I, she, my team like posts on my Instagram when, when we have a new feature drop and they're like, Gina got featured in this thing. And I commented to Geneva. I was like, I love that the first time I get to see these features is when it like shows up on Instagram and I just get to read the article and it's so fun. <laughs> that is so fun when clients are just surprised. So it's, oh. it's a joy to pitch you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone go check Geneva out and we'll see you guys in the next episode.